Welcome to the Fantasy Jones. I'm Carlos Marion, and I'm here with Frank Amarante from the Game Day. Frank, how you doing? Doing good, doing good on this Tuesday, getting our waiver claims ready and uh, getting ready for our big trip, heading to see uh, Commander's Eagles on Monday Night Football. Can't wait for that. Can't wait to talk about it. Exactly. We're, we're all riled up and ready to go. Uh, it's such a shame that Carson Wentz isn't playing because he's a coward. And he has this <laughs> this phantom injury. <laughs> anyway, what does he have? He, ha- he does have... Uh, what is the injury exactly? It's... Uh, the ankle or the honestly the way i'm like my mind works with these injuries is i just injury like i don't remember i i hate when i'm writing an article or something and i'm saying about players who are out and then i like going to research what specific injury it is it's just like to me i just look at it as is it a short term or is it a longer term one and that's it and i forget otherwise but yeah to be honest i'm not sure maybe a shoulder i can't remember honestly all right, all right. Fair enough. You know what, Frank? Let's just get right into it. We got a Thursday night game coming up. And, you know, Falcons and Panthers, a couple weeks ago, we saw them go wild, put up some real, real nice fantasy punties. What do you think about this game for fantasy? All and, right, oh, I'm sorry, the Falcons are favored by three. Yeah. Yes, they are, and this is an interesting one. I'm glad you brought up about how it turned into a shootout that game, because if you just look at the score, 37-34, you think they went wild, well. and they did at the end, but it's like, look closer at that game. They scored 34 points in the fourth quarter, uh, and one of those was a Hail Mary of 62 yards. Another one, like uh, Demir Bird had a long touchdown of 47 yards with two minutes left. Prior to that, with three minutes left, Deontay Foreman rushed it in. So they had like 7, 14. They had 24 points scored in the last three minutes. It was just one of those games where it just went off the rails toward the end. And usually a trend that we see is when division rivals face each other the second time, it, it trends toward an under, a lower scoring game. And because it's a short week, I think that even makes me more confident in this under i took it at 43 and a half points it's at 44 i still will like it out no matter what because i could see this turning into a really typically ugly thursday night game i mean atlanta of course they're going to be trying to bounce back after that poor performance last time these two teams met even though they won the game we look at atlanta they've been really bad at stopping the pass but it is a bit encouraging that they they limited Justin Herbert last week. He had 245 yards on 43 attempts. That's not good at all. It was all checked down. Um, I know that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were out in that game, but like Atlanta's defense was so bad prior to last week in stopping the pass. I think that's just a little small note of encouragement. Then you look at the fact that you know PJ Walker, who's starting again this week. He looked awful against Cincinnati. 3 of 10 for 9 yards. He was benched in that game. And there was even some questions like maybe they'll go to Baker Mayfield for this one. But I think what they're doing is they're sticking with P.J. Walker because it's a short week and they don't want such a shift in, you know, in their start and changing the most important position. So I feel like Walker is on a really thin ice to be benched in this game. Like if he starts off really slow and is playing poorly, you could see him get benched for the second half or something like that. So because of that, I really like taking the under on PJ Walker's passing yards prop, whatever it is. It hasn't come out yet. Someone on Twitter, when I tweeted this out, uh, said on DraftKings, I think it's like 180 or something. I'm fine with whatever because I you never get an opportunity for betting an under on a quarterback who could realistically be benched at some point in this game. So I like targeting that uh, prop for sure. I think that, yeah, like I said, this will be a lower scoring game. So even though it looks nice for DJ Moore on paper, I mean, I'll still start him as a low end uh, wide receiver too. But I'm not going to be expecting that monster game like we saw two weeks ago 
where he had 152 yards and a touchdown. Let's remember 62 of those yards and the touchdown was on the Hail Mary. So I think I might be ranking more lower than consensus. I already released the rankings on the gameday.com, but I always tinker before uh, each game. Uh, looking at, so basically to sum it up, I'm not re- very optimistic on any of the Panthers at all on offense. I'll be ranking them lower. That includes Deontay Foreman because Chuba Hubbard, I believe he returned to practice. That could eat away a little bit at Foreman's touches. Looking on at, at Atlanta, last time these two teams met, uh, Caleb Huntley, 16 carries, 91 yards, 5.7 yards per carry. Uh, they were able to establish that on the ground. Huntley looked good. Algier wasn't as good, but Huntley was highly effective. Then we look at what Carolina did last week. They got just destroyed by Joe Mixon. 153 yards, four touchdowns on 22 carries. So because of that, I think Cordero Patterson is a great play this week. He had 14 touches, two touchdowns in his return. Tyler Algier, 10 carries, 99 yards last week. Even Caleb Huntley got involved, seven carries, 34 yards. I think Atlanta's going to run all over Carolina in this one. Uh, I'm going to be ranking Kyle Pitts lower too because they'll just be running like crazy here. And I think Atlanta actually covers and wins this game. All righty. He said a lot there. He said a lot there. I think um, Atlanta will uh, – I feel that Atlanta will cover as well. I just – these Thursday night games never excite me. Uh, even DJ Moore, you were talking about him a bit and – I don't even know what to do with him anymore because we had those good stretch of games. Do we do we take last week as you know they they got behind very quickly. Their the game plan was just out the window. Um, they couldn't really establish much of any anything. Um, Deontay Foreman was a no show mainly because the play calling was like you're not going to make uh 35 points are going to come out of out of thin air so i don't know it's a question how do you feel about dj Moore in the next coming weeks yeah this is a great question i'm starting to realize like after i got so hyped that he started to show life with walker i'm starting to think maybe before this game may might be our last chance to trade for some value for him because after this game they play the ravens who's Defense is starting to look really good with Roquan Smith in the fold. Like, they looked good against New Orleans. They shut them down. After that, he plays Denver, who has a just a lockdown pass defense. And then after that, you know, Carolina's on the bye. So that's three weeks of either tough matchup or going on the bye. I think, you know, right after we're done this, I'm going to try to trade him in our home league. Um, but if I'm not able to, of course, I'm going to start him this week because on paper, it is a good matchup against Atlanta, but yeah, I think you should try to trade and you know, their top corner, AJ Terrell, I don't even think he's guaranteed out. He's been out the past couple weeks. I'm going to take a look at, uh, anything. Well, he did not practice on Tuesday. Oh, he didn't. Okay. And not yet. So today, yeah. Um, yeah, so if he's out, that's good for DJ Moore. If he's not, no, but very interesting question. Uh, I think we got to try to trade him. Alrighty, good to know. Good to know, Frank. We are back in Europe this time in Munich. Frank, have you been to Munich? Munich, uh, no, I've actually never been, I've just been to Berlin and then. In high school, we went on a Europe trip. We stopped in Frankfurt, but that was just like a layover and we didn't really tour. So only Berlin is what I've seen in, in Germany. In Germany. I once met an Eagles fan from Germany. Well, not from Germany. He was from Philadelphia, but lived in Germany. And he's <laughs> like, oh, man, to watch the birds is such a pain in the ass. He's like, it's like I got to stay up. <laughs> And I got to go to work. Like everybody, everyone's so tired. And he's like the Super Bowl. Everyone knows who watched the Super Bowl at work. Every, the people who watch the Super Bowl are just like dead tired, completely exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. 
All right, so we got the Seahawks and the Bucks, Frank. We got a lot of fantasy stuff to talk about. Bucks, Rashad White, is he making oh, the yeah. move? What's going on so there, here? So there's been buzz. You know, Leonard Fournette was disappointed with his usage last game, and a beat writer then speculated that, uh, you know, maybe Rashad White can overtake him. I think that was more speculative. Like, I got si- excited to see that. But I'm not going to go out and say, you know, he's taking over now. It will probably take some time. But it just shows that, you know, Rashad White is one of the better handcuffs in the NFL. However, I should say, coming into the year, everyone was saying, yeah, take him as a stash. Take him as a stash, including me. But we have to under- actually uh, um, think about the fact that when we were saying that, we were projecting the Bucks to be like them us- their usual selves, that their offense was among the best in the NFL, pass-heavy team, scoring a lot of points. But that hasn't been the case at all. Like, their offense has not been good. So we can't get – we got to be excited about Rashad White if he could take over because he catches passes. But it's not nearly as, as much as, if, as we thought earlier in the year. For what to do with him, the only way you could start him is if you're totally desperate with players on the bye – because they still go to Fournette. Maybe they'll give Fournette a little more work just because he complained and they want to, the squeaky wheel gets a grease, as they say. But I'll, I'll rank Fournette a little lower just because he hasn't been efficient at all. And Rashad White has more juice. You see it when you watch them on the field. Uh, you know, the this game looks like a low-scoring one overseas. Seattle's defense just continues to improve every week. If we look at DVOA, they're now 14th in pass DVOA and 10th in rush DVOA. They're, they had such a smash draft class that their defense is not what we thought it would be. And they're a very good team that could definitely win this game outright. Like They've been much better than, than uh, Tampa Bay is. If we go on Football Outsiders, Team DVOA, Seattle's fifth overall. Tampa Bay is 10th, which, you know, is a little surprising to me. But the fact is that, yeah, Seattle can definitely win this game outright. A surprising part this year has been Tampa Bay's run defense isn't as good as it used to be. They're like 13th in rush DVOA. But Ken Walker is just special, and he can run against any defense. He's an RB1 every week. Um, You know, DK Metcalf and... Tyler Lockett continue to establish themselves as the two of the biggest values at wide receiver from this past draft season. Like you could get them so late. They're going to be on a lot of winning teams. If we look at Tampa Bay fantasy production allowed to receivers, they're tied for 12. So it's like a yellow light type of matchup if we're thinking it that way. Uh, The Bucks, you know, you could start Evans and Godwin. It's been disappointing how, Godwin is barely looked at in the red zone like that's just that's kind of sucked but I want to highlight one thing coming off his best game of the season that's rookie tight end Kate Auden so he had five catches for 68 yards and a touchdown including the game winner against the Rams now he takes on the Seahawks who allow the most fantasy points per game to tight ends and it's not even close if we look at it with PP, actually, wait, PPR changes everything. So on RotoWire, you could toggle between standard and PPR. If you do it from standard, the Seahawks allow the most. If you do it from PPR, Seahawks are second most, Cardinals are the most. But the Seahawks lead by a long shot in this category yards per target, 9.68 to tight ends. Jaguars are second worst, they're at 8.81. So they give up big plays to tight ends. And it's a good spot if you're in a pinch like you and I are in our home league with uh, Darren Waller seemingly out every week. We'll fire up Cade again, and it's a great matchup. And in terms of the winner, I think in a low-scoring game, yeah, I think the Bucks squeak it out by a field goal, but the, it's really close. Uh, I'm going to go with the Seahawks in this one, I think, just mainly on some of the things that you were saying that their defense is much improved they're a team to be reckoned with and honestly uh the bucks you know they squeaked out a win 
it's so it's so tough with that team. Like just to project this game itself, like you said, it was a low scoring matchup. I feel like that that's in the Bucks' favor if it kind of goes like last week. There was a graphic. I think it was in the third quarter. They showed that the Patriots had an eighty-two percent, or not the Patriots. Sorry, the Rams had an eighty-two percent win percentage at that point. Uh or probability, sorry, and they were only down by six or seven, or like six, wow. sorry. So it's like, no, it's just one score, but this game has been so ugly that they have an 82% chance of winning. And, yeah, right. and then Tom Brady, you know, goes on one drive, and then that, that's the end of that. But I like what you said with Kate Auden. He's showed some real stuff. Like, that's what we all wanted. Like, that's what we want to see when you hear rookie tight end plus Tom Brady equals, you know, late season uh, search. And that's, that's what seems to be happening here, but we'll see what happens. We're definitely, you, know, you convinced me. I think. I think you convinced me. I got to go Seahawks. Cause that's just like, they've been by every metric, the better team. Geno Smith has been the better quarterback. They're more well-rounded. I think I'm just falling in the trap of, oh, it's the Bucks. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. And plus, we're going to go see Scott. So, he's it's... Yeah, it's... you're right. We're going to see Scott Angle on the game day. Hall yeah. of Famer. Yeah, it's destined. We have to take the Seahawks. Yes, we're taking the Seahawks here. All right, Frank. Next game, we got Denver and the Titans. The Titans are favored by three in this one. How's it looking for you? Well, Denver coming off the bye, they acquired Chase Edmonds. It'll be interesting to see how they use that backfield. I could see it like Gordon early downs, Edmonds on passing downs. Maybe Latavius gets a goal line carry here and there. It'll be an ugly situation. I want to highlight Jerry Judy, who's come alive. Like He's gotten 50-plus yards in five consecutive games. His last four games, he's gotten 33 targets. His last two, seven for 96, six for 63 and a touchdown. He's been quietly pretty rock solid. And the Titans rank 30th in fantasy points per game allowed to wide receivers. So you have to like the spot for Jerry Judy. Uh, Tennessee, wow, like Derrick Henry every week just going off. I had like a 40-point lead going into that game in our home league. And Henry was the only one left. And he had like 22 with like five point minutes left in the second quarter, started to get me worried. But the point is, he's just an otherworldly talent, and we should not have faded him. He, he's making us pay. Uh, it remains to be the Titans need Ryan Tannehill back because Malik Willis is just not it. Like he's not ready as a passer. Maybe he never will be because. You you don't often see the a quarterback pass that poorly, so every single player in, in the Titans passing game is off limits. You only start Henry here. I think the Broncos are going to win this one as an underdog, just because Titans are way. I don't think they're nearly as good as the record number one. Even though hey, they did play Kansas City tough. They're just well coached. He has them always playing hard. Mike Vrabel. So Tennessee definitely has the coaching advantage there, but I'm going to go with the Broncos coming off their bye. I think Russ will have a good game, find Judy and Sutton and get the win. I agree too. I think what we saw recently from, from uh, Russ and the Broncos that they're slowly getting, getting used to each other. I think that's probably one portion of Russ's poor uh, success in the beginning of the year was the fact that he's going into a new system, a new city, and and like reestablishing himself in there. And if that is true, then what we're seeing wouldn't be a fluke. We're just seeing uh, an improvement. We should see an improvement as the weeks go on. Again, the Broncos still have some issues, especially a running back. And, and like you said about Judy, they're they're improving. The court in sudden hasn't been as great as he uh been earlier in the season so we'll see how this uh this goes and of course we got to see how dulcie 
Dolchich goals. Oh, I didn't even get to him. Yeah, good. I'm glad you brought him up. He's an every week tight end one. He fits the profile that you look for when you take a tight end in Dynasty or when you look at them in the draft or when you target them before your redraft league. He gets downfield and he could he's establishing himself as one of the favorite targets in this offense. Each of his three games have been productive and he, I believe he had 80 plus yards in his last one. So and and you always love a rookie who's already been productive coming off the bye. Maybe they get him more involved because look, you know he's gotten three for forty four and a touchdown, nine cat, uh, sorry, two catches, forty four yards and a touchdown, six for fifty one, four for eighty seven. So it's not just these dink and dunks. He gets downfield. Love Dolcich, Dolcich, however you say, and love his hair too. He's got he's got that eighties like cool guy vibe. Yeah, and there was also, you know, we just finished talking about the Buck Bucks. These are two teams that have slowly improved, and the rookie tight ends are flourishing. So I don't think there's a coincidence there. I just think that their both offenses are opening up, and throughout the season there should be improvement all around. Frank, let's move on to the Saints and the Steelers. The Saints, Saints are favored by two and a half. I'll be going for the Steelers because, of course, the Eagles have the Saints' first overall pick. Well, first <laughs> round pick. It's not first overall yet. Never say never. <laughs> well, the big news is that the, there's word that Mike Tomlin wants to get rookie running back Jalen Warren more involved, which makes sense because he's shown way more burst than Najee Harris has. I got to make that adjustment in the ranks. Um. You know, if you have Warren, you got to be loving that. I don't think he'll fully overtake Harris right away, but he definitely can. Like, they need to do something. Their offense is so dull and stagnant and and lethargic and whatever adjective you want to use, it's ugly. Uh, This looks like a really low-scoring game, and we could see the Saints continue to bottom out on offense after the Ravens just really dominated them on Monday Night Football. You know, Andy Dalton, 210 yards. Alvin Kamara was bottled up. I'm a little worried about the offense because now they take on Pittsburgh. Yes, Pittsburgh has really struggled against wide receivers, but they might be getting their best defensive player back this week in TJ Watt. And then, you know, Dalton just came off his worst game of the year. It's starting to trend downward. I could see this, you know, Pittsburgh at home coming off the bye. I could see them really playing much better on defense in this game. And then it leads to maybe Dalton getting benched for the following week. It just, you know what? Actually, I'm talking myself into an Andy Dalton under passing yards because maybe he can get benched too. So, you know, I think Pittsburgh will win this game. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how Warren looks. I'm ranking Kamara lower than usual. Because, like I said, we saw last night how he got bottled up. I could see something similar happening here. All righty. Yeah, the Saints, it's been tough. You know, as a Camaro owner, you feel like you want, um, you know, we've talked about how badly we want Andy Dalton playing. But this offense is, it's going to be inconsistent throughout the year. This, you know, bad quarterbacks. and This is just the... The result of it. Um, I really like the Steelers' prospects. You know, if they can get TJ Watt in there, is that just going to help the team overall as a whole? Uh, We saw early on in the season, they had a lot of energy, and they really got deflated after that that injury, and it just, the season was really spiraling. So maybe they have a nice bounce back. You know, if you're owning any Steelers players, you're really hoping that's the case. Even Najee Harris, like maybe a better defense pushes that the opposing team more into their own territory, punting closer to the, you know, just the classic uh, moving of the ball, like and where you are on the field. Uh, I I think I like the Steelers in this one. Yeah. And hey, I got a quote. They're optimistic TJ Watt returns this week. So it looks like he's playing. 
That's, That's going to make too. a total difference to this defense. Yeah, I'm going to be all over the Steelers. Yeah, you think this line's going to probably change from like two and a half? You think it's going to creep? Yeah, up that it should. As... It should be Pitt, Pittsburgh should be favored here. I think we should hop on it. All right, let's ride. Uh, <laughs> let's ride. Uh, Lions and Bears, Frank. Lions. Three. The Bears. Bears are favored by three. And I can only imagine who you're about to speak about. Oh, my goodness. Justin Fields sets the regular season record for rushing yards for a quarterback, 178. He's a top five quarterback for the rest of the season. If you picked him up, I'm happy for you because, wow, they're letting him run wild and he's showing just his amazing, electrifying talents. Darnell Mooney right back on the menu like he's been good. He's been like wide receiver 30 since week four. So he was a guy that you could have maybe picked up as well in your league. He's going to help down the stretch. This is a game where we could see Fields find Mooney downfield. And Chase Claypool is going to help out the offense, opening up not only for Mooney, but Cole Komet, who had five catches, 41 yards, and two touchdowns last week. This offense is just really trending up in a big way, like 35 points last week, 29 against the Cowboys, 33 against the Patriots. Now they play the Lions at home. I think we're going to see more of the same. Looking at Detroit, I expected more from them against Green Bay, even though they won. Like, I thought it was going to be high scoring. Obviously, the two interceptions from Rodgers in the end zone didn't help. But, yeah, looking at their offense, DeAndre Swift barely played last week. He's like a low-end RB2, more of a flex until we see him used more. It's a shame because this is a great matchup against the Bears that their defense, not only, originally it was more just struggling against the run, but now with getting rid of, rid of like Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith, they're getting shredded in the air too. Now, Monroe St. Brown continues to get a heavy target share. I loved him last week. Didn't really get it done, but I'll go right back to the well and rank him slightly above consensus he'll just get peppered with check downs i like the bears to cover the three points and in a lot of our nffc leagues we got justin field well in one of them i mean in my other leagues too i picked them up i i'm loving that and the one home league that i didn't where i had joe burrow i'm just kicking myself for not making a trade and picking up fields but anyway yeah he looks like a league winner absolutely uh last week just now he's put everybody on notice we're all ready for like even darnell mooney was like a speculative pickup last week now he's just a must-have uh it's it's looking nice in chicago and hopefully this continues uh in the coming weeks i i personally think the bears are going to win this game it's they're going to keep moving in that positive direction like you said with with swift it's such a shame uh that he's been just unable to to give us that fantasy production we've expected for because like he has such a great opportunity and he just hasn't been healthy enough to to at least keep Jamal Williams off the field right and uh, if you have if you have Jamal Williams he's been a nice steady play week in week out throughout the year so probably more of the same from here on out until Swift just like you said shows us that hey I'm DeAndre Swift. Remember who I am? You know, we're still <laughs> waiting for that game. Hopefully it's coming soon, but. All right, Frank, the Vikings and the Bills. The Bills favored by five and a half. We're going to see more Kirk dancing post game, Frank. <laughs> this is a game that you should go bet on the Vikings now because there's a chance Josh Allen doesn't play. There's all this word about his elbow injury. If he doesn't play and it's Case Keenum, the Vikings might be, you know, a pick em, one or two-point underdogs. You could get it. I got it earlier today at plus six and a half. It looks like at the score it went down to five and a half. It'll probably continue to decrease because it's sounding, you know, negative about Allen's outlook. And if Josh Allen misses time, I think that's horrible news, obviously, for everyone in the offense. But... Mostly for players like Gabe Davis, who's already struggling as it is. 
He's that boomer bust volatile player that needs the heavy passing volume that they have with Allen. Uh, you'd probably see more running if Keenum had to start. So that's good for Singletary in that sense, but it's bad because he'll, he, you know, the offense won't score as much. Uh, for the Vikings, the Bills are good in all facets of the ball on defense. It's a tough matchup for all their offensive players. Obviously, you're firing up Jefferson and Cook, but I'm not too excited about guys like on the fringe, such as Adam Thielen. You got to love what TJ Hawkinson did on a short week. Came in right away, huge workload, eight of nine targets. Sorry, he caught all nine targets for 70 yards. So he's a solid play. I think the Vikings will at least cover it. You know what? I'm going to say they win here because we don't know about Josh Allen right now. If Josh Allen plays, I feel like he will be affected in his throwing. Like we saw it. He was, well, actually, I think he got injured toward the end. I think the the Jesters did a great job holding him to 205 yards and forcing two picks on 34 attempts. But if he plays through the injury, it'll probably be that he runs a little more and he checks it down a lot more because he won't have that same zip on his throw, I would imagine. So you would probably see Stefan Diggs get fed underneath, but not those big splash plays anymore. Give me the Vikings plus the points. And uh, it should be interesting. Hopefully, he plays. Yeah, this is a game. You know, you might as well take money line, see what happens. That's probably what I'm going to lean towards. Just like a little, little sprinkle, nothing crazy. But this is a nice opportunity for Kirk to keep it going. Um, Hawkinson, second weekend, getting more acclimated into the offense. I think that'll work out in his favor. And let's see what happens. It'd be. And for us, if we don't have Josh Allen, we got to work that wire, baby. Who are we taking, Brissett? That's uh, we'll, we'll oh, figure that's out. the one. Yeah, we got to. Hey, speaking of Brissett, we got to get to the Browns and Dolphins. Go right into it from there. So in one of our NFFC leagues, we have Josh Allen. We got to pick up a quarterback in case he doesn't play. The waiver wire is barren. It's like a desert. There's no one there. It's Kenny Pickett. But there's Jacoby Brissett of the Browns, and he is someone I like as a sneaky streamer this week. Let's look at this. So he's been pretty decent and efficient in EPA per play. He's ninth among quarterbacks. He was quarterback nine in week eight against the Bengals right before the bye. He also has, he has I think, three or four top 15 finishes on the season. Now he takes on the Dolphins, who rank... 31st in past DVOA. It feels like with a healthy Tua, the Dolphins get into these shootouts every week. The Bears, 35-32. The Lions, 31-27. We can throw out the Pittsburgh game because it was Tua's first game back. They won 16-10. He was getting used to it, getting adjusted again. Vikings and Jets, Tua didn't play. Bengals, he left early. The Bills game, they won 21-19. That one... We can give him a pass because, you know, the Bills' defense is very good. Before that, against the Ravens, 42-38. You know, like, the Dolphins' offense is just fantasy a fantasy dream because all they do is pass it to their two stars. I wish more coaches were like Mike McDaniel and they just feature their two best players all the time. What the hell is the point, say, last night in the red zone, Alvin Kamara goes to the bench for... Dwayne Washington to get a carry in the red zone. But why do you do that? Just keep feeding your best players. No, no, we got to give uh, this guy a, a touch. No, you don't. Got to keep him in the, the flow of the game. Got to keep him uh, awake in the sidelines. Like, if it if your star needs a breather when you're in the red zone, then call a pass. Let's say it's a star running back and he needs a breather. Call a passing play or something. Like, don't take him off it just doesn't make sense and you know Miami just feeds Hill and Waddle Tyree kill I gotta stop I, I ranked uh Miami's passing game lower last week because I thought they'd run all over the Bears no Miami is pass heavy that was a huge mistake they're always going to be pass heavy even in good spots for the run de- for the running game so you know their receivers are always wide receiver ones every week Tyreek Hill's on pace to break the single-season record. 
It was interesting to see Jeff Wilson immediately have a role. In fact, he outtouched Raheem Mostert. I think we're seeing a changing of the guard there. At most, it will probably be a 55-45 for Wilson, but it's probably a split, most likely. You know, it's clear Chase Edmonds didn't fit into the scheme or the plans, and Wilson fits in like a glove. So it looks like a committee there with Wilson getting the receiving aim work. And looking at the Browns, another player I want to talk about that I like, obviously we all know Amari Cooper has been great and he's been a huge steal at ADP. David Njoku looks ready to return. That's big. That's even big for our Jacoby Brissett pickup, getting another of his better pass catchers. Donovan Peoples-Jones, in his last five games, 347 receiving yards, like just solid. Every game it feels like he's getting 60 yards. The Dolphins rank 21st in fantasy points per game to receivers. I want to say one last thing here. The Dolphins are only four-point favorites in this game, which is interesting. You know, they're a 6-3 and three team. They're at home. They play a 3-5 and five team. I think the market is saying they like the Browns better than their record. And if you look at Cleveland's last two games, you know, they blew out the Bengals. They played really good against the Ravens, losing by 3, 23-20. So ever since that blowout loss to the Patriots, they're starting to play well. And if they can squeak out to 500 in time for Deshaun Watson's return, they can be, a, you know, that sleeping giant. I might take the Browns here. I think I, even though I, I tweeted, I'm getting Bengals vibes about the Dolphins in that, you know, last year, remember, the Bengals ascended toward the end of the year. No one thought they would win the division or even no one get close to the Super Bowl. But Lamar Jackson got hurt. They took over from the Ravens. Now, Josh Allen is hurt. They're only one game back. They can kind of get, you know, they can sneak up on the Bills. Having said that, I'm taking the Browns. Looking at the spread, it looks fishy. I'm taking Cleveland here. You know, I'm out of that whole thing, I, I completely agree. I feel uh, Dolphins are just on this trajectory to, like, it, it seems rather moonish. They're just... <laughs> looking yeah. unbelievable uh one thing i'll bring up is about donovan peoples jones do you remember when he during training camp there was all those reports that he had such a great rapport with deshaun watson and i i remember this because we were in front of uh where were we again uh, chick-fil-a in the drive through chick-fil-a and we were doing those underdog, the underdog drafts. And I just kept taking Donovan Peoples Jones just for as like a late season That's flyer. A That's looking so, good now. So hopefully he goes to the moon when Deshaun returns, helping those couple teams that I had. But Frank, oh, I agree. This is like, a, you know, maybe the Browns surprises here because everyone and their mother is probably going to be on the Dolphins in this game. Yeah. Um, so. I like that call, though. Peoples-Jones could even be someone you could try to trade for in your league. They're probably at the back of that team's bench, you know. This is actually a sharp move. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on. Now we have the Texans and the Giants. The, the Giants are favored by six and a half here, Frank. Yeah, I think... You know, the Giants are that team we kept saying, oh, there's, I can't believe they have this record. can't believe they have this record. But they're just well-coached, and they do they, they don't beat themselves up. They, they get it done in those close games. And if you look at their schedule, next two weeks, home to the Texans, home to the Lions, they can easily get to, you know, 8-2. and two. And then what? It's going to be hard for them not to make the playoffs with that kind of start. But the big takeaway here is that Saquon Barkley can go absolutely nuts in this game against the worst run defense in the NFL. No, Miles Sanders last week, 17 for 93 and a touchdown. You know what Derrick Henry did to them. Do I even need to say? 219 yards and two touchdowns. Like, Houston gets just destroyed. I might add, the week before that, Josh Jacobs, 20 for 143 and three touchdowns. <laughs> like, every week they get destroyed. So, Barkley's in a, in a huge spot. 
I think they'll just lean on him, and that's all it'll be. It's interesting. Kenny Galladay is ready to return. Imagine he just becomes himself again and is decent. That could be a sneaky pickup in deep, deep, deep leagues. But obviously, you know, not many of you are going to be picking him up. Looking at the Texans, they're just a dumpster fire in offense. But Damian Pierce is an absolute stud. And Giants run defense isn't very good. It's a great spot for Pierce. They'll probably lean on him, especially with a disgruntled Brandon Cooks. Pierce is in RB1. And it sucks for his fantasy production that he ran for 139 yards last week and got only one more PPR point than Kenny Gainwell, who had like 34 yards and a touchdown. Hopefully they get Pierce a little more checkdowns or in the end zone, but that's a risk you take when you take a good player on such a bad offense. But give me the Giants to cover. They probably win this between seven and ten points. Yeah, this game doesn't really inspire me much. It's you know, I'm gonna go Giants as well. And and again, probably low scoring. And the Giants, like you said, there's no rhyme or reason. They're well coached. They're had they have um Hey, they have – they're playing some good football. What are you going to do? What do you, there's no other way to explain it. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. They're playing good football. <laughs> that's, that's the way Yeah, it down is. and dirty. It's just the only, he's, he's a football player. Yeah, exactly. All right, Frank, we got some more football players. Jaguars against the Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by nine and a half. Your team's – well, your team's not looking good right here, Frank. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and, and Cole. Uh, how do you feel they're going to play out in this one? Well, of course, Travis Etienne, elite RB1. He's been, like, amazing. Three straight games, 100-plus rushing yards. Christian Kirk made us happy. Eight catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Trevor Lawrence, you love that 53 yards on the ground. He only threw one touchdown, which hurt his fantasy day. But he was really good. 25 of 31 for 235 yards. Now he takes on the Chiefs, who have a really weak pass defense, and they're going to have to air it out to keep pace with Mahomes. This is a great spot for Lawrence. Um, I really like him this week again, even though like he kind of disappointed last week. I think he got like 17 pa- fantasy points in regular formats, but I'm still high on him against the Chiefs. Looking at Kansas City, Juju is delivering. Like what a what a smash pick! He's on fire. You look at his last three games, five for 113 and a touchdown, seven for 124 and a touchdown, 10 for 88, just a rock-solid high-end wide receiver too. And look at Miko Hardman, touchdown machine. He's scored at least one in his last three games, including three of them against the Niners. He's the other receiver you want in this offense right now. Kadarius Tony still taking time to you know get acclimated the the running game is tough to rely on they just pass it so much it's a three-man committee looking at so basically i like every if you have a jaguar you could fire them up in this game because they're gonna have to really air it out and it's got a 50 and a half point total i think that the chiefs will probably cover win by you know 10 to 13 points jags won't get just blown out but yeah, Kansas City's you got to go with them here. Yeah, I I uh, agree. I'm going to go Kansas City as well. And then just what we've seen from ETN is just something. It's you know the the running back dead zone, that place. It I don't know year after year, the only running backs you should be taking during that time is, are just rookie or first year guys guys that have that this elite upside because we're watching it sure Brees Hall got hin- injured and that really sucks but this right here ETN is like this is why people were so high on him this is why he went first round this is why it's um it's nice it's it's good to always see these guys who were injured and they come out explode and and show you what all the hype was about because football is all about like all this work's done in the dark, and then under the lights, the bright lights of the prime time, it's like to see Etienne do it is great, and his fantasy owners are laughing right now. Frank, we have the Colts and the Raiders. Jim Irsay has one of the greatest speeches or press conferences of all time where he describes that he does not know how to make sausages, but he knows how to build a football team. Frank, <laughs> how do you feel 
about the Colts for the rest of the season here? Ugly, ugly, ugly. Uh, like, why are they starting Sam Ellinger? It's a mess over there. You can't feel comfortable starting any of their offensive players, uh, even in a good matchup against the Raiders, you know. But, hey, maybe with the uh, Frank Reich firing, Jeff Saturday, former player, beloved Colt, maybe they are fired up. <laughs> no coaching experience. Like I kind of liked it, though, just for, like, the, I don't know, it's just, like, Jeff versus probably, yeah, get in there, Jeff. Jeff Saturday. <laughs> Uh, when but, Jeff said, hold a quick thing. When Jeff Saturday said that he was completely shocked or shocked would be an understatement. That was my favorite quote. Cause I could just imagine him getting this phone call. He's like, what the hell? It's the Jim, Jim, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> hey Jeff, yeah. what's going on, buddy? <laughs> it's like, oh man, that's, uh, that's, that was probably my favorite part of that entire scenario. Like that Jim Mercy's kind of just like dragging him along. He's like, come on. Okay. Like, all right, you're coaching. He's like, oh. Okay, sure. It's going to be interesting this rest of the season with this team. Like they, I don't trust anybody on this, on this roster anymore. Um, yeah, I don't know how, how this is going to work. Apparently, like even the assistant coaches and everything, they're all going to be with very low experience, most likely. Yeah, right? I'm not sure what the entire group is going, going to look to like. Ugly. But you. Hopefully Jonathan Taylor comes back. Uh, I want them to at least start Nick Foles so he can just feed Michael Pittman Jr. But yeah, it's really hard to start any of them. You know, maybe you got to think Ellinger will look a little better in this game. Like last week he did play the Patriots. That's really tough. I won't just totally bury someone like Pittman. He could be like a wide receiver three in this game. But yeah, looking at the Raiders, that's a team that's been just probably the biggest disappointment in the NFL, 2-6. and six. Uh, Josh Jacobs could bounce back here, but, you know, they do have a tough run defense, Indy does. Great to see Devontae Adams go off. Hopefully Darren Waller could come back. It's crazy that, you know, we came in, oh, look at this offense, Adams, Waller, and Renfro, and then it's just been the Adams and Jacob show Renfro's like a nothing now. They he's basically you could rank him below Mac Hollins. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. In terms of this game, it's ugly. I won't take this spread, but I would take I would if I have to pick, I would go with the Raiders. Yeah, I'm not sure how they're gonna respond after this entire week. And I think this is an opportunity for the Raiders to take advantage of that. And really sneak out with a quick win because come on, you know, <laughs> uh, this is rough. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I could watch that. It, whoever cut that up of his entire press conference, like, deserves an Emmy. <laughs> uh, Frank, we have the Cowboys and the Packers, America's game of the week, probably on Fox. How how do you feel? This Cowboys are favored by five. I think it would be more, but how do you feel about this one? I think the reason that it's not more is that you know it's the Packers, it's Lambo, it's Aaron Rodgers. But I'm I wrote this game up at thegameday.com. I'm trying to pull that article up, but yeah, I like the Cowboys here. Their defense is too good, and the uh, the the Packers have just been a disaster on offense. They just lost Romeo Dobbs too, so now it's just Alan Lazard, Aaron Jones. Not clear if he's going to play because he's injured. Then you look at the defense, which has been act like it's at least their pass defense has been good. Well, Rashawn Gary, their pass rusher, is is out for the season. I believe he tore his ACL, so that injury I do remember, but. Also, their corner, their number two corner, Eric Stokes, is injured as well. He may be out. I think he's out, actually. Uh, we look at here. I just found the article. I had some good stats about this game. So, let's let's listen to this. We got, for one, Dallas is number three against the pass and number seven 
against the run and DVOA from football outsiders. The Packers offense is 22nd in EPA per play. So you, how can you really expect them to do much on offense in this game? Like, even if Jones plays, it's they'll have to move the ball through check downs and just, you know, Aaron Rodgers not turning it over. Then you look at Green Bay, their run defense, they rank 31st in rush DVOA. If Zeke is back, you could see him and Pollard just run all over them. If Zeke's not back, Pollard becomes like top seven again in fantasy. The Cowboys collectively are number two on offense in rush DVOA. That's a huge mismatch right there. Then you consider, you know, Dak played his best game of the year before the bye against Chicago. He's really efficient. Like I said, Stokes is out, likely out, sorry. Gary is out. That just weakens their defense. I like Dallas to cover the spread at minus five. Uh, I think they win this game. If they don't, it's probably by because they win by a field goal. I don't see them losing. Green Bay is a mess. And uh, hopefully, you know, you never want to say hopefully a player doesn't play. But hopefully, you know, Tony Pollard at least earned himself a little more work. Like, he's just so much more explosive than Zeke. Yeah, and and it was... Um, it was interesting to see his usage numbers where it wasn't much of an, an uptick in them when Zeke was out. So true. I don't know. Did he prove that he should be an every-week starter based off of that game where he can do so much with so little? So that's uh, a good point. That's a question we got to see. I think um, that that's something like you and me should look at yeah. when Pollard is, is uh, because we have him in the league and our second running back spot in that league is much to be desired. And we've had AJ Dillon that who also in this game, you know, these are decisions that we make. And I think that's something we, we should look at. I um, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you with the the Cowboys. I don't think that there's they're going to lose this game. Like you said, the Packers are just in rough shape. Uh, it, it seems like this is a lost season and it's just spiraling down. Yeah, and there is no relaxing that can be done. I think Rogers probably done after this year, and that's yeah, the end it's of the chapter. totally ugly. I I'm going to rank C.D. Lamb a little lower than consensus because I think Green uh, Dallas will have that efficient running the ball. They're not going to be in a shootout. So Lamb will continue what he's doing the last couple weeks. Like, you know, that type of six catches, 82 yards type of line. Like I don't see a huge eruption from him. And that's a good point about you're saying about our league and NFFC. Like Tony Pollard is like in that bucket of backup or number two or one B running backs. Who's way more explosive than the starter and the other one is Khalil Herbert who we also have Pollard's a better version of Herbert because he could catch passes but they're both like very similar in their like in the fact that they're explosive runners who are much more efficient than their lead carrier absolutely Frank let's move right on to the Cardinals and the Rams the Cardinals there was uh, some signs of life last week but Again, Seattle, just they're just too damn good. Frank, how do you feel this game is going to go on in the NFC West? I think the Rams will win this game. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, they've done well against Arizona. Remember, they blew them out in, in the playoffs. I think their defense will step up. We saw last week the Rams um, start to give Cam Akers a little bit of work. He had five carries for three yards. <laughs> but they, like it, that backfield just steer clear. You could stash Henderson. That's about it. Cooper Cup is just a machine, just another game at the office. Allen Robinson had a disappointing game, but he has slowly come alive. Tyler Higby's been a non-factor the last couple weeks, but he could get going again in this one because Arizona, like I mentioned, are in bottom two. And fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Looking at Arizona, DeAndre Hopkins, elite wide receiver one. Down week against Seattle, but he still found the end zone. Interesting tweet I saw. After 
the altercation with Kyler Murray on the sidelines when they were arguing with each other. If you look at so they put like the stats right after that. Murray was feeding Rondell Moore and Zach Ertz way more, but it's it's not like he's gonna stop throwing to Hopkins. But it's encouraging to see more last two weeks, eight catches and seven catches. I got discouraged by him for that random game where he was used on the outside. And then I foolishly dropped him in a league where I, in our league where I, uh, you know, I, it's a shallow league with limited bench spots. But last two weeks, he's been great. And he's had at least six catches in four of his last five games. He could have a nice one in this game, like his usual six catches for like 58 yards. One thing is that is encouraging, especially for you, James Conner dominated the workload in his return. And, you know, the Rams, though, do have a really good run defense, but at least Conner has been on the field. He had five targets, too. That's great to see. He's back in the circle of trust as a solid RB, too. Uh, but look for the Rams to win this game. Yeah, I agree. Rams looking good uh, to win this game, at least. Uh, the running game, questionable, to say the least. I think you meant uh, Kieran Williams instead of Henderson to stash. Um, yeah, him too. But I mean, oh, yeah, he's stash a good for stash. I, you're right. He's Stash is a better word for Kieran Williams because you're never going to use But I even meant to like Daryl Henderson – have him on your bench. You could keep him because he gets the work, but I'm not starting that guy. It's like what we have in our NFFC. Yeah. We have him on the bench, but it's hard to drop him because if you know you ever get a random running back injury, at least you know that he's going to get 10-plus touches. Yeah, now I hear you. Now I hear you. All right, Frank, let's go right into the Chargers and Niners here. Niners favored by seven. What's going to go on in this battle here? Well, the Chargers disappointed me last week. Justin Herbert struggled against Atlanta, but Josh Palmer didn't. He's, he's, he had a great game. He catches 106 yards. Hopefully the Chargers can get Keenan Allen back for this one because it's a tough defense they're up against, and it's a powerhouse offense with probably Debo coming back with Christian McCaffrey, who I might add is my RB1, even over Saquon this week because – you know what? One thing we haven't talked about with Barkley is he really hasn't been that much featured in the passing game. Like, if you look at his receiving numbers, 3 for 9, 4 for 25, 3 for 12, 3 for 36, 2 for 16. Yeah, like, he gets a little bit, but it's not what you might have expected from him. And McCaffrey, on the other hand, could go for, like, 8 for 92 and then run for a touchdown as well. So he's the better play, and the Chargers have one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. Even with Debo coming back, I still likely coming back, that is. I still like McCaffrey as RB1. Even over Eckler, his opponent in this game, who's been a touchdown machine, just because the Niners are just locked down against the run. The lowest I could rate rank Eckler with how he's playing, especially with his Usage in the passing game, like the guy's got 37 targets in his last three games. The lowest I can rank him is three. That just reflects how good he's been, but it is a tough matchup. I would actually take the Chargers to cover here, but lose the game. So they, they'll likely lose, but at least keep it within seven points. Yeah, um, I uh, I like I like the Niners in this game. I think the way that they're headed... Um... McCaffrey, Debo, it's going to gel and work. Uh, the Chargers right now are they're in a tough, tough stretch of their season. And we just finished talking about lost seasons, and they're almost, you know, they're trying their best, uh, you know, to keep this, this boat afloat. And it's working out so far. Uh, like you said, hopefully Keenan Allen comes back and they they really need some more juice from their receivers. It's it's great to see guys like Palmer get a hunt like over a hundred yards and Eckler goes like uh, Eckler even got a touchdown call back on him uh last game because uh they didn't call his elbow down and he just ran the ran to the end zone. 
and they called it back, which, uh, of course, facing Eckler, I was staring at that elbow the entire time. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree that uh, McCaffrey is looking like he's looking like the so worth it for that price. Frank, we're finally here. <laughs> we're, we're finally here. at Monday night. Eagles, Commanders, Eagles favored by 11 here, Frank. How do you feel this one is going? Well, I love this because, of course, it's our two favorite teams. We're going to the game. And I even got to write it up for thegamedate.com. So I'm totally locked in on this one. For Washington, hopefully Jahan Dotson could come back. They need every help they, every form of help they could get on offense. Maybe Chase Young could come back too. That would be a boost as well. One key thing for the Eagles is we really saw them feel the loss of rookie stud defensive tackle Jordan Davis in stopping the run. Damian Pierce rushed for 139 yards on 27 carries on them. So if I'm Washington, that's a formula. You're going to have to, first of all, they got to feature Antonio Gibson more than Brian Robinson. He's just so much more versatile and explosive, like, Every time they threw a screen to Robinson that game against Minnesota, like just drive killers. If you want to use Brian Robinson, that's fine, but make them strictly in between the tackles. Why are you wasting plays like that? You have a former college receiver who's making downfield catches, actually use them that way, and you're giving a screen to Brian Robinson. It's a joke. Anyways, they have to run the ball. With them, I even thought Gibson was going to be a huge play last week because he just came off a great game against the Colts where he had seven targets. Like, you look at his game against the Colts here. Seven carries, 19 yards, seven catches, 58, and a touchdown. McKissick being out, you thought Gibson will be featured in even more in the passing game. Not to say that he'll get more than seven catches, but it's like, in those hurry-up situations and stuff like that, he can be used. No, two catches for 11 yards. Like, it just boggles my mind. But Washington needs to slow the game down and run it on Philly because if they get into a, you know, shot-for-shot going toe-to-toe with Hurts in that passing game, it's good night and it'll get over quickly because look what Hurts did in their previous matchup. Philly outscored the Commanders 24 to nothing in the first half. Jalen Hurts threw for 340 yards and three touchdowns, I believe. Yeah, that's what it was. 280 of them were in the first half. All three of the touchdowns were in the first half. What happened was they just were up 24 nothing at the half. They just take it easy. That's what the Eagles have done. Like they run the ball. They're not really, they, well, at least in that game, they it's not like the Pittsburgh one where they just aired it out even up big. They just kind of controlled the game on the on the road, you know. But in this one, like, you got to be concerned with Washington's pass defense. I think it's a huge bounce back spot for Devonta Smith, who's had a few down weeks. Remember against Washington, eight catches, 169 yards and a touchdown. If I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, almost all of that was in the first half too. Yeah, it was. So I think he could have a big game. If he doesn't, obviously there's A.J. Brown. He could go out. One of those receivers is going off in this game. Mark my words. But looking at Washington's passing game, I don't like it at all. Like Eagles' pass defense is among the best in the NFL going to be a hard game for McLaurin to get loose downfield they got to find Curtis Samuel underneath but the key is getting getting ahead in the game running the ball and taking an early lead where it could keep the game script close that you don't have to air it out while playing from behind the spread is between 10 and a half and 11 in some spots I would stay away like the the bets I recommended on the, the game day was Eagles minus six first half you only need them to lead by a touchdown. Instead of this, you know, they got to win by more than 10. What if they're up 17? Heineke gets a useless touchdown and it ends by 10. It's a division game. You never know. These things, like, you know, Washington could keep it close. So you get them at minus six 
first half. We've seen Philly dominate in the first half throughout the year, including against this team where they went up 24-0, like I said. Another bet I recommended, Commanders over 16 points. That's so low. Like They could be trailing 28-7, to and because the game's out of reach, they could get over that. And we saw Davis Mills without Cooks and Collins get 17 points. So if Washington can run the ball, they can get up to 17 and go over that. Other two that I recommended, you know, were just a prop Eagles by 1 to 13 points. I don't think – I think Washington – I'd be shocked if they win this game, but I don't think they'll get totally destroyed. I just don't feel comfortable betting the 10.5. Either way, it could be Eagles win by 10, Eagles win by 13, Eagles win by 8, something like that. So that's the way I see this game playing out. Jalen Hurts is my top quarterback for the week. I think he, he's just going to go off. Alrighty. I agree completely. Uh, go Birds. There are a few things I can say about this team. Uh, you brought up Jordan Davis being injured and that really causing you know, the possibilities that Damian Pierce was getting open just because of that um, could be a, a bunch of other things, but maybe that's going to be something that in the next couple of games is going to be really difficult for them to, to deal with. Uh, in terms of Devontae Smith, I agree that he has a, an opportunity really here to, to bounce back. I know he said that he doesn't give a damn about any of our fantasy teams, which is a shame. You know, being an Eagles fan, it's like you you hope that he would at least care about us, but it's a shame. Um, Other than that, I'm just excited to watch this game. Get back to Philly. Uh, Frank, is there anything specific that you're excited about to see or do in the great city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania? Well, of course, it's it's to see our friends that we've met there in the past that We've gone a few times, Carlos and I, and and we've met people there. Great to see them again. That's number one. They're always fun. Number two is just eat cheesesteaks. Yeah, we might have to go to a couple. Uh, We're going to have to go to Angelo's because they were not feeding anybody from the Houston Astros. So because of that, and because I've had that pizza before and it's unbelievable, we're going to need to... What's... uh, Come se dice muck. <laughs> All right, Frank. Let's uh, let's get after it this weekend and enjoy some football in, uh, in another country. Let's do it.